Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your host. This episode is sponsored by Zenium HR. Zenium is supporting small and medium-sized organizations for their people processes, including HR, and payroll, and benefits, and all those other things. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. Okay, today's episode is a humongous milestone. I Honestly, when I started this podcast back in 2012, never would have thought I would have reached 300 episodes. I'm curious how many listeners out there have, have stuck with us for all 300 episodes, or, or at least from the beginning of time, maybe skipped a few episodes. Um, but we started out as the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. I wanted to make a podcast underneath Zenium as a podcast for HR professionals to learn and to grow and to to learn you know with me really um cuz i many of you know i'm not an HR pr- practitioner but i've grown up inside of an HR consulting organization and i've learned so much in fact i spend most of my time l- less learning about what my functional role is which is marketing uh, I, l- I learned less about marketing and I spend more time on leadership and HR. I mean, I, every person that I interview, I'll read their book. And hopefully that comes through in the interviews. I try to do as much work as I can to make these interviews fun and to ask questions that maybe others wouldn't ask. So, you know, over time, as it became more and more about just overall people leadership and culture development and creating, honestly, just creating great workplaces. We changed the name to Transform Your Workplace because I think then it didn't neglect those who are people leaders, not necessarily HR professionals, but we're trying to create topics that will give education to just people leaders in general and who want to create great workplaces. So every topic is centered around that. So I'm really proud that after 300 episodes, I feel like we've we've definitely accomplished that. And here to help me celebrate 300 episodes is the president of Zenium HR, Ann Donovan. She's been on a few previous episodes and we talked about her career and, and all that. But, you know, I, I wanted to talk with her about the current state of the workplace and the pandemic and return to work and, you know, what keeps her up at night and all those other things that a business leader and a leader of people deal with on a regular basis. So you're going to love this interview. She's so candid and open with me and and you guys too. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, I know I loved having the conversation with her. So enjoy episode number 300 with Ann Donovan, the president of Zenium HR. Okay, I'm excited today. It's episode number 300 of the Transform Your Workplace podcast, and I've got a special guest with me. It's Ann Donovan. She's the president of Zenium HR, and it's so good to have you with me. It's so good to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Brandon. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. I'm probably going to jump around a little bit, but I think the most relevant question to ask right now is how are you as a president, a leader of people, you know, running a business as well? How are you handling the return to work stuff? You know, we've been remote for 
a year and a half for the most part? And what's your approach there? You know, it's such a dynamic time right now, Brandon. I think all of my leader peers are experiencing the same thing, which is there's a lot of kind of tough decisions in front of us. As it was Zenium, we're going to be going back into a hybrid situation after Labor Day. We made the decision early on that said, you know, with childcare challenges, with kind of lingering COVID concerns, let's just put it out there after Labor Day, and and that's when we'll come back. But there's all these nuanced decisions that have to be made, and you want to do right by people, right? You want to make sure that that you're promoting something that's really fair and that people feel good about the way that you make these decisions. And yet it's a whole new world, and different jobs need different things. And so I think the challenges that we're experiencing is, is wanting to really evaluate, you know, department by department, position by position, how do we make sure that we're making the right decisions and also just being willing to try something out for a while. That's what's giving me peace, Brandon, is let's try this for a while. And if it doesn't work, we'll pivot. And just being open to knowing that it's a brave new world. I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it's definitely not business as usual anymore. And I think just the needs of people have changed. I think we've learned a lot, giving people the flexibility and like the hybrid approach. Because it sounds like, I mean, and I know this personally, is we're doing a hybrid approach. Are you empowering the leaders to make decisions based on like schedule? And how's that approach going? Yeah, we are. So I know a lot of my peers are are taking a different approach on this. and, And I think that, you know, many make sense. For Zenium, what we decided was, that each department has different kinds of employees and different needs to be there for each other, to cross train, to back each other up. And so some departments have more of an on-site presence and accountabilities around that cross training coverage and training in general. And then some departments are more analytical. And so what we said to the, and, and this is a one thing I'm really proud of too, is empowering our leaders to make those recommendations. So they got to look at their team, analyze the work on each of those position desks and say, here's what I'm recommending and here's why. Because a person who's really heads down looking at spreadsheets and in a system and into the data, it actually is more distracting to be at work. Um, There's more noise, there's more interruptions. And so we really tried to be thoughtful around the job itself and let the leaders, the department leaders make those decisions. Is there anything that you're worried about when it comes to the hybrid approach? Meaning like you have some people in the office, some people at home. Are you worried about any inconsistency with the people or inclusion, anything like that? I am worried about it just because it's different and because we are taking kind of an open and flexible approach. I know there's going to be some concerns, right? Like there will be people that say, maybe I disagree with my manager's analysis that my position should be more at work than at home. I think those are just natural outcomes from when you make a big change like this. I do think though, that we, as long as we keep the conversation open and welcoming and inclusive, like, hey, we want we want to hear from you. We're not going to just give you this answer and then you have to just deal with it. We want to talk about it. And let's go 30 days, 60 days in, and then let's talk about it. Because that's what I think people really appreciate is that it's not just dictated to them without the dialogue. Yeah. There's like two things that I think about when we talk about hybrid and whether or not it's going to work. There's like two things that come up for me. And I don't know if you share the same thoughts is 
culture. Like, how do you maintain the culture? Because we have a really strong culture in this last year and a half. It's been, I think, hard because the connectedness when you're in person is just so different. And we felt that, especially as we've like had picnics and other things where we start seeing people again and, and then it just feels good. And the other thing is managing performance. It's like when there's people are so far away, like you as a manager and as a leader, people have to be really good about setting goals and KPIs and all these things that help you to manage your, your people and their performance. Do those things come up for you as well? Absolutely. And I think it's going to require more accountability and organizational skills from managers because you're right. It's too easy for someone who is you know, kind of hiding a little bit, maybe because they don't know what to do, maybe because their job duties weren't made perfectly clear. But a manager who sets those accountabilities, who has KPIs and measures against them, people want to know where the guideposts are, right? Like it helps people be successful to know when things are due and why. So I think you're right. It's all, it's going to be a greater responsibility on managers to be more explicit about those accountabilities and KPIs. And I think that eventually, if not immediately, employees will appreciate it even more. Yeah, I think so too. I think people just really want to know, like, what are their, <laughs> what are their goals? What am I supposed to do? And people want to naturally reach their goals too. So I think the more open we are about that, it's going to be better. Absolutely. One thing I'm curious about is with performance management, I mean, there's for so many years, organizations, and us included, annual performance reviews was pretty common. Has your approach to performance management changed recently during the pandemic or even before that? And I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on performance management going forward and what like what you recommend? Great question, Brandon. So we did um, in, in the, for a couple of reasons. During COVID, we actually removed the formal performance review process. And it's, it's kind of something that a lot of HR departments are exploring, moving away from the traditional, you know, scoring and um, process for how we approach the conversation with employees about performance. And what we moved to was more of a regular one-on-one, which we always had anyway, but we put a development focus on that one-on-one. And that has been, I think, in my experience with my employees, really an improvement because instead of it being this annual conversation, it's happening every month. And we do focus the development of the person um, maybe in every other one-on-one. And our HR team has done a great job of building in the right types of questions to prompt the managers on how to have those conversations. And I think that what it does is it takes that kind of weightiness of this once a year event to a more normalized conversation that is expected from both the manager and the employee. And it doesn't let things go too long. It really handles constructively issues of performance or opportunity in real time. The reason I love that approach so much is you know, I've set personal goals for myself. I think we all do like the New Year's resolution thing every once in a while. And, you know, you might write stuff down, then you stock it away and you forget about it and then you don't reach your goals. What's great about this is you set goals with your leader and you keep it in front of you all the time because you're talking about it on a one-on-one basis versus like you set goals, you put it in your drawer Mm -hmm. and then you get to your annual performance review and it's like, did you do it? No, no, I didn't. And then it's just like too much time has gone by 
And I don't think it sets anybody up for success. So I love that. I think that's a really good call out. So we did, we put the goals inside the one-on-one form. So every month, and some people meet every two weeks, right? It's right there in front of us. So you can't forget about it because it's always present. And I think that's one of the best things about it. This process of taking it away from the annual traditional review also put more emphasis on the development because to your point, if you're only talking about development once a year, that's not often enough. I mean, really things change so often throughout the year that you can pivot and explore new things for development for employees if you're talking about it six times a year instead of just once. Going back to the plan to return to work, I'm curious what your thoughts are just on the current state of where we're heading with people contracting COVID again. It sounds like some of the numbers are going up and we're in Oregon. It seems like the numbers are are going up again. I mean, what if we're facing shutdowns again? I mean, is that on your mind? It is. It's something I worry about because I feel just responsible to make sure that as the leader of Zenium, I'm making the right decision for everybody, you know? And I do think that we're a real inclusive culture, right? We survey, as you know, we survey our employees a lot. Yes. And we really try to make sure that we're thinking about all aspects of the decisions and safety is important. So if the cases keep going up and we have to be masked, we'll do it. That's how I feel about it. I just think it's one of those things where you got to make the right decision for all for the greater good. Um, You know, a lot more people are vaccinated, which helps with that risk. The more we get vaccinated, the less risk that will be going forward. But I do think it's something that, and and I'll just give an anecdotal example, Brandon. We had one of our very first in-person leadership meetings on Monday. Yeah, I got a cold after being masked up for 18 months. I ended up getting a cold and my family did too. And I wore a mask when I went into the office because I now believe it's my responsibility, right? To if I don't want to give my cold, um, COVID or otherwise, right? To anybody else. And if I can do that gesture as a leader, it helps others feel normalized around doing it as well. Yeah. I appreciate that approach. Like if you're sick, either stay home or if you can't stay home, wear a mask so you can protect other people. So I, I appreciate that you modeled that behavior because that's, I, I would expect that from other people going forward. I mean, even if, you know, we're, years away from COVID down the road, it would be nice if people felt comfortable. Okay, I'm sick. I'm going to stay home because I don't want to bring it into the office or whatever, or just wear a mask if you absolutely have to be there. So no, that's, that's good. You know, the other thing I am a little like, I think it's a moment in time, but when we first come back, Brandon, I think the tech situation will be bumpy um, because when we're managing tr- half the group being on Teams, which is what we use for virtual conferencing, and half the group being in person. How do you make that a good experience for both sides? And I just think it's going to be bumpy because we're right now we're equipping conference rooms and we're um, making sure that the employees have the setups that they need because many people have been at home in a quiet space and now they're going to be in more of an open environment. How do we make sure that that doesn't decrease their work experience because we're all back together again? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were talking about inclusion. I mean, this is the part I worry about the most is like, what if you have a big team meeting and like you've got, let's say 10 people in person in an office in a conference room whatever and then you get like two or three people at home i mean how do you make them feel included when you've got a bunch of people cross talking and if you don't have the right equipment how are they going to hear them? I mean, we actually experienced this the other day in that leadership meeting we had a couple people remote and everybody else was in person and 
I don't know what the experience was like for them. I imagine it wasn't great. You know, it's funny you ask that, Brandon. I actually asked one of those individuals, how did that go for you? Were you able to track and follow? And here's what she said. She said, you know, I could always hear you because you were presenting. And and I was tracking with the PowerPoint because we were on Teams. But when it got difficult was when the crosstalk she said, we're a bunch of talkers, right? You know that oh, yeah. and when multiple conversations started among this 15 person group, I couldn't track. I had no idea. I couldn't hear them. Plus there was two or three happening and that's when it got hard. And so I think this playbook, which I want to, maybe we can spend some time talking about that too. Yeah, we need a playbook, which is new norms for how do you run a meeting? when you have half at home and half at work? How do you, as an individual, participate in meetings where some of the folks are not there? How do you make sure it's inclusive and you don't forget about those folks that are virtual? We're working on it right now. And you know this too, from being on the the senior leadership team, it's going to be ongoing and evolving because what we think is a good set of guidelines now will probably need to be tweaked in 30 days after we're back. Hey, it's Brandon here with a quick sponsor break. Are you making any of these common HR mistakes? Fragmented company culture, inconsistent communication, do-it-yourself diversity and inclusion initiatives, HR and business operations existing in silos. Do, like, do any of these sound familiar? Well, if so, you're not alone. These are HR challenges we see all the time. And our free ebook at Zenium is here to help you get past these mistakes. Our latest book breaks down seven common HR mistakes and outlines the steps you can take to step up your people strategies. Download it today and see how a strong HR strategy can help your people and your company thrive. Download it now at zeniumhr.com forward slash HR hyphen mistakes. That's zeniumhr.com forward slash HR hyphen mistakes. Now back to the show. A couple of minutes ago, you were talking about how we survey our employees all the time, which I always appreciate because I think it's good to have a pulse on how employees are feeling or what their needs are and all that. And as you were saying that, I got an email from Susie Weir. We were talking about like um, updating our benefits survey, which includes like benefits and perks and just basically polling people on what's important to them. Do you think the needs of people have changed, especially in this last year and a half, where you might actually consider adjusting your benefits and perks package? Yeah, I do. And I'm not really sure how yet. I just know that if you just take a kind of a standard example of a hybrid schedule, where you are used to be driving in five days a week, no work from home unless, you know, a refrigerator person was coming to your home yeah. <laughs> to a, let's call it a, a three, two, where you're in the office three days a week and you're working from home two days a week. That changes people's lives. So number one, in good ways, they're not driving as much. So it's better on the environment. It's better on their work-life balance. And maybe it opens their eyes to new things about their wellness and their health care teledoc, right? Like use not having to drive to the doctor when you just need to have a consult and it's not critical that you be in person. All those things, I think, change the landscape for how we look at benefits. Um, So I think we should always survey because it's also an inclusive thing. Some people need different things. So if there's a way to give people what they need in a sort of a cafeteria plan selection, I think that's compelling because what your neighbor needs may be totally different than what you need, but we 
have historically really just, you know, selected benefit plans and dental plans and those kinds of things in a one size fits all kind of an example. Every year we run this survey called the What People Want From Work survey, which we take internally. We manage the survey, but we also allow other companies to participate as well. And we'll do all the analysis and aggregate the data. And one of the questions that always is rated the lowest is, you know, how do you feel about your compensation? It's low for every organization. It's almost always number one on that list as far as like people being unhappy. What's your approach to compensation, you know, during the pandemic and now as things are you know, revenues are back up, business is kind of getting back to normal. What's your approach there? Yeah, it's one of the toughest challenges for all businesses because at the end of the day, there is a finite amount of money, right, that the business has to budget. And there's also external pressures of the market moving. And in order to get great talent, you need to be able to pay market value. And you've got all these great employees who now may all of a sudden have become underpaid, undercompensated because of the market moves. So I think that it has to be done with a lot of intention and with not just in one person's you know, kind of this is the this is the way it's going to be, and here, and we're not going to consider any other alternatives. I think it, it takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> you need lots of input, and you need to make sure that you can retain top talent. That is one of the biggest concerns on my mind. Is I think with COVID, you know, waning, people are now more interested in making changes. And I think if companies are not willing to really analyze the way that they do business, they will lose employees. It's not going to be exactly the way it was before COVID. I think I feel like we need to be really flexible and open to new ways of doing things. Maybe it's new incentives and compensation. It could be a lot of different things that you consider, but being close-minded to it, it, I can tell you, is just going to be a really tough path from a retention standpoint. The unique perspective that you have is it's such an interesting one. So you're the president of an organization, so the business side, operations, revenue, but you you came up through HR. So you were a VP of HR for many, many years, then stepped into this president role. So on one side, I'm like, I see how you probably think about compensations. Like, we need to attract the best talent. We need to retain people. But then, if the operational side and the revenues aren't up, you also see there's an equation there that needs to balance out. And if it doesn't balance, how do you pay people higher? Like, that's got to be on your mind. It is. And I think what I'm trying to do is really share with the leadership team what those real challenges are so that when people, instead of saying, well, you know, someone above me just gave me this number and there's no, that's it. There's, that's, there's no, I have no control, but for them to really understand the why behind it so that, you know, ultimately this is all about sustainability and opportunity. How do we sustain ourselves and make good, smart decisions without breaking the bank and then blowing out, right? A company that doesn't run with a budget is not a well-run company. So you have to keep those things in mind. And when you do, things change and you have to be willing to pivot, but it it helps you sustain a business over time. So what I've decided is I, I feel like the folks like in your role and in the leadership team, if they understand the numbers behind it and we are using you know, we have a compensation analyst in Tyler who can give us market data and gut check us at least once a year, like what is happening in the market. Um, We do use those and we look at them deeply. That's 
data driven, not just anecdotal. Oh my gosh, you know, the sky is falling or the reverse of that, which is, you know, we're just sticking with our numbers and we're not moving them. And that's just like burying your head in the sand. Totally. I'm glad you brought up the Tyler and in, in the compensation analyst position because this next question, uh, we've talked about this. Well, I've heard a lot about it. Every time I open up LinkedIn, I see the, the word great resignations coming. It's coming. It's like people want to get back to work. They're going to be more comfortable like leaving their job for more pay or a new culture, whatever it may be. And you talked about market dynamics earlier, and I kind of worry that there's going to be so much pressure on external hiring for higher compensation. And how do you, like, even consulting clients on this, like, to attract talent, you have to pay like top dollar, but yet you have employees in, in similar roles who aren't getting that top dollar. Like, what's your approach there? Yeah, we have really every company's experience. Yeah. That. No one is free from that, right? Because it is just a phenomenon that happened you know, long before COVID. And it's just a situation that every uh, business leader has to deal with. What I've decided is I use it, I call it my head hitting the pillow at night. factor. <laughs> like when I, when my head hits the pillow at night, do I feel good about the decisions that we made and, and our team who are, they are everything to us, right? We're professional services. Everything we do is our team. And so what have we done to make sure that we're doing the very best we can? And And they may still be unhappy with their number, right? We can't make every person happy all the time. But when we bring new people in, um, I've had situations where I've needed to adjust internal because I can't, from a gut check standpoint, right? I can't reconcile having numbers be so far off that a new person coming in is eclipsing what a person who is working really hard for years and years, you know, loyal to Zenium, that just doesn't reconcile for me. So it means making tweaks when you need to. And that's that kind of pivoting I talked about that you can't just apply this one methodology and then leave it alone for a year. It's just not the way life works. It's moving too fast. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Let's move on to some things about you. How do you, you said the, the (laughs) hitting your pillow at night, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I'll say, I think that the things I worry about are future turnover, right? Because we have a great team and while you can't just make it a free for all, like everybody can have everything they want, right? That's just (laughs) not realistic. I do think that trying to do right by as many people as possible is the right approach because I think people have more choices now and people have proven that you can work pretty productively from home, especially in a professional services environment. So making sure that we're making decisions that are balancing this culture and being together is important. It's part of who we are at Zenium. So I would never have a fully remote office. I just, it doesn't fit my philosophy and I don't think it's the right decision for Zenium. By the same token, I would never force everybody back to work all the time because I think it's a new world. And so I worry about making sure that we're finding, striking that right balance in the decisions that we're making in uncharted territory. That probably is the main thing that I worry about. You know, revenue and growth is what is most important in my position. We need to keep growing and changing and being ready for the next thing around the corner. And I think that is something that we, we have a really strong senior leadership team and a great peer group. So I rely on those peer groups and all of you, Brandon, at senior leadership team level 
to help make sure that it's not just this only in my head and and my responsibility to see all of those things coming around the corner. It really does take all of us working at it. And we have an offsite, as you know, coming up. So we meet twice a year as a senior team to look at the strategic vision and really analyze what is the most important focus for us. And Zenium historically has, sometimes we bite off more than we can choose. We have too many initiatives (laughs) and then we can't get them all done. In the last few years, we've really been better about saying, no, what are the one to two major things that we're going to do next year? And I think that's been a good thing for us. Speaking of change, what's one thing you've learned about yourself in the past year when it comes to being a people leader? Mm. You know, one thing that I always, again, is the head hitting the pillow at night, like, did I tell all the people that I need to tell how much I appreciate them oh, today? Yeah, yeah. And there are people whose jobs don't overlap with mine that are on my team. And those are the folks I worry about. Like the people that whose jobs they quietly do an amazing job and I don't have as much visibility to it. Have I neglected them? Have I reached out and let them know how much I appreciate them? That's one of the things that I worry about. Like not doing it enough? Not doing enough, right? Like I need to make sure that I am balancing that. In this job, you can imagine it's a lot about putting out fires and addressing what's on fire right now. A decision needs to be made, right? And so sometimes that not urgent, but important quadrant is addressed. And I want, that's the thing about change that I'm trying to work on is making sure I do those things um, as a part of my regular weekly work. And I, you know, our wow cards that we do, Brandon, that's been a great way to do that is to make sure that like who has done something really extraordinary this week or this month that I want to make sure they hear from me. So that's been helpful. How do you personally like rejuvenate and refresh with the pressures of your role in particular? Yeah. Well, you know me, I'm a runner. So the thing that keeps me healthy mentally and physically is running. And it's the oxygen I get. I do it every morning. It's a way that I start my day. And um, I'm a pretty positive person. Yes, you are. <laughs> but I, I start my day in a really positive place because, especially in the summer with this beautiful weather. Oh, that's amazing. It's warm outside. It's different in the winter when I have to put all my running, my rain gear on. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fair weather runner. Like You will not find me running in the winter. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to keep doing that. And working from home has made that easier. To be honest with you, I don't have, I've cut you know a full hour of commute out. And so if I can keep that up, even after I go back on the hybrid side, I think that will be a way for me to stay really centered and grounded in sort of mental and physical health. So that, and I sleep better because of it, because I run, I actually sleep better at night. So those two things go together for me. Let's end it with this. What's one thing that you're worried about for the future? Something that maybe is just out there, you can't really control, maybe you're anxious about it. And then what's... You're an optimistic person. You're so you're probably the most positive person I've ever met in my life. What's the one thing that you're very optimistic about for the future? Well, so the thing I worry about is getting in front of the changes in front of us with technology, right? That that is something that our business has really changed over the last five years. Yeah, like we're so people focused. Oh, people, yeah, yeah, and that's how I grew up, right, in the business. And then, really, and it's a good change. We now provide a full HR integrated offering, and it 
requires lots of work on technology and making sure that our systems are at the ready and that we train our people and our clients on them. And, you know, because you're part of, you're the director of product on our, our team. And that's a big ongoing challenge for us is to make sure that we're staying in front of that and investing in it and then making sure that we implement well. So that's what I worried about. I just think it's something we've got to keep in front of us and stay ahead of because yeah. with technology, right, it's always several years out in front of you and you can't. It's It moves too fast to like year to year. It's like things, features of current technology that you already have will change. So you have to like learn it roll it out. It's just, it's a beast. And luckily you have a couple of geeks around you like me. I love technology. So at least you got people like me on your side. I love that because I think that's the, and you find that interesting. So there's people that really want to dive into that and are going to make a difference as we continue to evolve. What I'm excited about is that the blend of these two different disciplines, the technology and the system side of things. And what we know we do really well with helping people through people challenges. So, I mean, our team across the board can not only help with running payroll and efficient benefits management, but we can also help do a really sticky HR issue and and train managers on what's really important for them to become great leaders in their company. And the set of deliverables that our integrated systems provide is so deep. It's a source of pride for me. I feel like every small business, small to mid-sized business should have access to this integrated service team that can do so many things and the investment makes so much sense. So that's what gets me excited is there's just, you know, sharing the story of what Zenium can do for our clients. Absolutely. And this has been a pleasure. Thanks for letting me just pepper you with a ton of questions and, and helping me celebrate our 300th episode of the podcast. So I appreciate you. Thank you, Brandon. I am really proud of you for getting this podcast going and 300 episodes. I mean, hats off to you. That's pretty impressive, my friend. Oh, thank you. 